As we begin, let me take a, a quick survey here this morning. How many of you are on some kind of social media, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest? How many participate in some kind of social media? A, a number of you, and the, other, the others of you have probably heard about social media. Uh, some of you are adamantly opposed to it. You're not going there. And your, your life may be, a couple people are going, yeah, me, that's me. Uh, your life may be better uh, because of it. You, you may have more time in your week to actually get things done besides like scrolling through a, a screen kind of a thing. But social media can actually interfere with some biblical values laid out in Scripture. And during this next series that we're going to look at, uh, no worries. What we're going to do is look at some of those biblical values and how they can be undermined by social media. Now, let me be honest with you. I like social media. Uh, I like going on Pinterest and seeing all kinds of wood projects and going, ooh, I could make that. Ooh, I, got, I, 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 could, make, I could make that. Uh, I like being on Facebook. I like staying in touch with friends from high school. I like being in touch with uh, people from previous churches. There is a lot to like about social media. You can promote causes. You can raise money. You can raise awareness. There are stories on Facebook that the mainstream media will never cover. Uh, and, and it's neat to be able to highlight those things. It, Facebook and all those social media sites also make a, a very big world much smaller. Uh, the Jamaica missions team, team that went to Jamaica the last couple of years can actually know how Pastor Beniah is doing in Jamaica. That's pretty cool. Uh, they can know how David Good is doing because he's on, he's on Facebook. And I can post a prayer request and I can know immediately that People are praying. Uh, we've been praying for baby Weston uh, and Weston or baby Wyatt. And baby Wyatt came home a couple weeks ago. But hundreds of people were praying for him uh, through a Facebook post. That's, that's pretty awesome. Um, I don't have to call a bunch of people <laughs> uh, to make that prayer request. I can just throw that out there. And if you're used to the the prayer chains of old. You know, you have to spend a lot of time calling people and explaining the same situation over and over and over again. But at the same time, while there's all these great uses for that technology, there are some unintentional downsides to social media and negatives. What we're going to do with No Worries is just raise awareness of those biblical values that can be undermine because God, I think, wants us to walk into uh, a preferred future. And today we're going to talk about contentment. Uh, we're going to look at the problem that social media kind of creates as we look at other people's situations and are tempted to be envious of them. In this series, we're going to look at intimacy and authentic, on, authenticity compassion, and also rest. It's going to be a good series. I think uh, it'll bless you in many ways. So I want to jump into the, the first worry kind of thing that I think God wants us to overcome. We want to move from being a discontent people to being content in Christ. I think as we look around today, it's almost sad 
that in today's day and age, people have so much more than generations past have. I, I talk to people about this all the time, especially older people. They say things like, you know what, when we started out, we didn't have what everybody has today. You know, canning and that kind of thing wasn't something we did because it was healthy. It was what we did because we had to do it if we wanted to eat. Never before in all of history have people had so much and wanted more and more. Now, sociologists say that Facebook and social media creates that envy longing as we look at what other people have. Now, if you're not on social media, don't think that you're off the hook here. Uh, sociologists and people that study these things say commercials, advertisement, you know, they all well up those same temptations in our soul. Social media, though, gives us a sneak peek into other people's lives all the time. And the problem is we only get to see what people want us to see. Uh, it's almost like we get to just read the highlights from somebody's life without all the context included. Let me give you an example. You, you might see some pictures, and I post pictures of like a family trip when we go to Cedar Creek. We, my family loves to go to that park. Our kids all jump in the creek and wade that creek and find turtles and frogs and all kinds of things. That's one of the things they love to do over the summer. But you, you might see a post like that and think, oh, they have such a nice family. They're so close. They all get along. Pastor Steve, he's a great dad. But maybe, maybe I yelled at my kids the whole time we were there. Maybe I, maybe I dropped the F-bomb, you know, I yelled, I swore, made everybody cry, and we left all miserable. And I'm like, you guys are never coming here ever again. And I was just this, like, big jerk. But all you see is the pictures of a couple smiling faces and kids wading through the water. Now, that did not happen. So don't, don't, go, don't, go, don't go home and go, I didn't know Pastor Steve swore like a trucker. Um, but, but see, that's my point. That's my point. You don't know from the pictures that somebody posts on Facebook what actually happened that day. You don't know. So you could be all like, oh, I wish our family was close like that. I wish, I wish I could be a stay-at-home mom and do crafts with my kids and break brownies all day. And somebody that stays at home with, with their kids might think, yeah, if you think that's what happens in my house every day, you, you better think differently. Or maybe you see somebody that works all day and you think, oh, I wish I didn't have to stay home and run around with my two-year-olds all day. I really long for some adult conversation. I wish I could go to work. I wish I could have a purpose and meaning in my life, and wouldn't that be so awesome? And the, the mom who has to work would, might tell you, you know what, you don't know I cry every morning when I have to leave those kids and go to work because I'd rather be home with them. But see, from what we see on social media, you don't know those things. Maybe, maybe your life isn't so bad. Maybe your kids aren't the terrors that you think they are compared to the posts that you see on Facebook. Maybe your husband isn't as unmotivated as you think. Maybe just because somebody else posts a deck project doesn't mean that, you know, that guy is a go-getter. Social media does not give us 
an accurate picture of people's lives. Not only that, never before in all of history can we so accurately judge popularity. Now, when I was a kid, when you were a kid, we could tell who the popular kids were, right? Because they were the ones that always got picked first in the lineup of kids when you were going to play kickball. Those were the popular kids. And it wasn't 100% accurate because you, you might pick somebody that you didn't like that you knew really could kick a ball. But by and large, you knew and you had to figure out who were these popular... Well, today it's different because today it's like, I got 150 likes on my picture and you got two. Like, I have more friends than you. Or, there are five people following me on Twitter, but you have like a hundred, and three of my five are like family, and I set up their accounts so they could follow me on, on Twitter. You know what I mean? We, we can accurately judge how popular people are. And people actually get upset and sad that they don't have as many likes as somebody else. My wife can post a picture of her most recent artwork and get like 20 or 30 likes on it. I post her picture of her artwork and I get like a couple hundred likes. And she's like, why do, why do you get more likes about my stuff than I do? And I'm like, well, because I know more people. It's not that people don't like you. She's like, oh, okay. And with all of what, what all of these studies show is that the more we compare ourselves to other people, the more discontent we are in life. In today's, in today's world, those images and those comparisons are before us all the time. Researchers actually did a study with Facebook. They had students go on Facebook and spend a half hour on Facebook. One third of those students said they had a, a marked a noticeable increase in depression after viewing Facebook for an hour. The number one reason for that was envy because of the things that their friends had. So this is like for real. Now, let let me ask you to be really, really honest this morning, maybe even uh, a a little vulnerable. I'm going to describe three types of discontent. And see, see if any of these resonate with you. Category number one, material or financial discontent. Maybe you see a post and somebody got a new car, and you hate your car. And you would really like to be happy for that person, but you would have been happy with their old car. And they just got a new car, darn it. Or, or maybe some mom posts a picture of, some brownies that she made for her kids. But, but you don't see brownies. You see granite countertops, and you hate your kitchen. You know, your, your kitchen is from like the 60s. You, it needs an update, and you've been talking to your husband about that for years, and he just won't do anything. They got stainless steel appliances. You can see them. And you think, oh, it must be, it must be nice to eat kitchens, brownies in a kitchen like that. Or, or maybe you see pictures of your friend who is at the beach again. There's some resort. You know it's all inclusive. They see, you see drinks in their hand, food on the table, and you think, oh, yeah, it must be nice. I can't even afford to go up to Lake Erie and take a dip in the sewage. And they're at the beach again. Now, would you be really honest 
How many of you have ever had thoughts like that? Those discontent, okay, be honest, you're in church, you can't lie here. You know, yeah, many of us see those posts and you think, oh man, come on. Okay, number two, relational discontent. You see pictures of your friends and they're all dating and they, 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 you're at some event and they're there and you think, they know I like sports. And they're at a game and they didn't invite me. Why, why am I always the one that they leave out? You would have liked to go. What is, do they not like you? Or maybe you're not married and, and, and all your friends are. And they're happy and you're not. And you think, you know what, why can't I find that special someone? It, is there something wrong with me that people don't, like, ask me out? Or, or maybe you see pictures of somebody and they're spending the day with their kids and they're walking the dog. And you think, you know what, I work seven days a week. And I don't have time for that. And I just feel so bad that I don't get to spend time with my kids. If you've ever had to deal with those relational discontents, anybody out there? You guys are all relational. Okay, a couple. Remember, you're in church. Number three, number three. Situational. This is is like the relational one, but it's more about your situation in life and less about people. You're looking at your life and comparing it with someone else's, and you think, you know what? I just kind of wish I was where they're at. I'm X number of years old, and I just thought my life would be, like, different. You know, I thought I'd have a better job. I thought I'd be married. I thought I'd have kids. I, I expected to achieve more. I thought my career would be different. I'm stuck. And all these people that I used to hang out with, like, they fall into every single deal They walk into, it's like they were born, not with a silver spoon in their mouth, but like this golden spoon or something, because life just seems to always go their way, and they have advanced, and they have been promoted, and they have everything in order, and like, I'm just, like, that doesn't happen to me. My situation isn't what I thought it would be. Anybody ever think those thoughts? A number of us have looked at those people and uh, compared ourselves with them. Um, Sometimes uh, changing our discontentment and viewing those things different is really just a perspective change. I think it's easy to hit that downward spiral and we start to compare ourselves with others. Um, Sometimes a break from social media and all of those images that we use to compare ourselves with others is a really, really good idea uh, just to, like, fast from that for a while. It's time to get back into the world and realize the blessings that you have in life and the blessings that you have in Christ and find your contentment and who you are in, in those things, which often are intangible, and invaluable. Uh, the Apostle Paul was a, was a master at looking at things from like a Jesus perspective. And we're going to look at an instance of that in Scripture this morning, but I kind of want to give you some background. Paul is actually in prison. He is under house arrest as he pens these words. He is chained to a Roman guard 24 hours a day. So Paul did not just buy a new car. 
Um, he is not on a beach. He is not drinking rum punch. Um, his life is not that great when he pens this. Philippians four, twelve through 13. Paul says, I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. The secret to contentment for Paul is not in what he has or what he doesn't have. Paul says contentment is found in Jesus who gives him strength. I know this sounds trite. I know it sounds like, oh yeah, that's, that's preacher talk. But until Christ is all you have, you will never recognize that Jesus is all you need. Contentment is a blessing from God. But it often doesn't come until everything else in your life has been stripped away and life gets pretty raw. You have to cling to Jesus. When His presence becomes that real to you, when He is truly, truly what you want and desire more than anything else, He becomes your rock and your provider. He becomes your redeemer, friend, and your peace. Jesus becomes everything you need. You can search for that peace and that contentment any other place you want. But you will not find it there. You can get a thousand likes on your Facebook post. And you won't have what you need. And it won't do for you what Jesus can do for you. You you can buy everything your heart's desires. And even if you didn't have the debt that came along with it, you wouldn't have what you really really need until you taste the goodness of Jesus you will always be dissatisfied longing for more from this life something deeper because God built that that need that for significance and purpose and peace into our hearts and only he can fill it nothing else can until Jesus takes that place we will always deal with discontentment. Paul says this. Let me, tell you, let me tell you the secret. I can have a lot. Or I can be in prison and have nothing. But I can do everything God calls me to do. And here's the secret. So with the rest of the time, I, I want to talk about two things that I think we need to do if we're going to overcome discontentment, get rid of this sin of envy. And number one is this, if you're taking notes and filling them in the blanks from the sheet and back, here it is. We must, through the strength of Jesus, kill comparisons. Have to stop that. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. This, this comparison thing is not wise. The temptation to compare will always come. But we have to make up our minds that we're not going to compare ourselves. Because you will always come up short. 
We need to kill comparisons. Why, why is it so critical? Look what James says in chapter 3, verses 14 through 16. But if you harbor bitterness, harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such, quote-unquote, wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. So, th- so this, is, this is serious. Um, earthly, unspiritual, demonic. It cannot be good if it's all three of those things, right? And from this verse, James tells us that it's, it's more than just a heart issue. It's more than just a feeling we wrestle with. He says those feelings will eventually spill over into the actions of our life. If it affects how we think, it will affect how you feel. It will also affect what you do. That's why God put it on the top 10 list. Thou shall not covet. It's not just unhealthy. It's not no big deal. It's sinful. And James says it's actually demonic. We must kill it, crush it, and resist the temptation to go there as we look at our brothers and sisters or people next to us. I don't know how this will actually look in your life. I, I suppose... It depends on what area you feel tempted to be discontent in and how you compare yourselves to others. Some of you may need to just take a break from social media uh, because it's feeding your discontent. Or maybe you need to to block certain shopping apps from your phone and, you know, getting notifications that so-and-so store has this on sale. Um, Or maybe it's throwing away catalogs that come to your house and, you know, before you open them (laughs) and flip through them and go, ooh, I need to do that with tool catalogs because I I flip through through them and go, oh, I could use that, or I could use that. This is not a new problem. It was on God's Ten Commandment list, like B.C. This this problem is ancient. Maybe you need to put a stop to watching HGTV. Uh, I know some of, uh, ladies, some of your husbands would probably be really appreciative if you would stop watching HDTV. Uh, if your husband cringes when you say, you know, I was watching HDTV and I have an idea. If your husband goes, oh, or if he, or if he grabs his wallet, <laughs> you know, may, maybe you need to stop. Wa- may I suggest Tiny House Nation uh, instead of that? Uh, my wife hates that show because <laughs> she knows I would live in one of those. Um, Guys, maybe we shouldn't go to the gun show or the boat show or the tool show. If we're going to kill comparisons, we we need to make some changes. The the other thing that helps us, I think, kill comparisons is celebrating when God blesses someone else. Like truly celebrating. When, When you learn and when I learn that we can celebrate God's blessings in someone else's life. When, when that person buys that new car and you would have liked their old car, you know, to, to truly say, you know, good for them. God is blessing them. I'm so happy for them. Uh, sometimes I think we actually have to force ourselves to do that because it purifies our motives. I believe uh, until you can truly celebrate 
God's blessings in somebody else's life, God can't truly use you like he wants to. Let me, let me give you an example. I have a buddy uh, who's a pastor at Charter Oak United Methodist Church. Uh, Chris Whitehead is a great leader, great uh, pastor, and he is a driver, which means he cares very little about what people think. And, and I mean that in a good way, because Chris is a leader. Chris does what's right. He casts vision, and he, he drives ahead, and he's a, he's a great leader. And I have always longed to be that kind of leader. Um, I'm not a driver. I'm like an influencer. I like people. I care about what people think. Uh, I, I, I like to, to nurture, and I like to... And s- sometimes, when I look at pastors like Chris, I think, oh, man, if I could just care a little bit less uh, and push ahead uh, and, and drive more... God could use me, but see what that does is that limits what God can do through me the way God put me together. I need to celebrate how God put him together and celebrate how God put me together. I have learned that that I need to hire those administrative driver gifts because it's not who I am. And and God God blessed me uh, with Daphne, who, who keeps me on task. Uh, God has blessed this church with a wonderful staff, and I am honored to work with all of them. You are blessed because of what God is doing here, putting this staff together that he has. It's, it's amazing what God is doing in our midst. I can't prove this, but I think that the reasons God is blessing New Stanton Church the way he is in this season is because I'm not trying to be someone I'm not. And I'm trying to to equip all of you to use how God has knit you together to show people Jesus. Because we don't all have to do the same thing. We don't all have to do it in the same way. But God has work for all of us to do. And you can't accomplish what God is calling you to do if you're longing for someone else's gifts. If your gift isn't singing, it, you waste all the time in the world thinking, man, I wish I could sing. I wish I could be up here on the praise team. That's how I want to be used. If you can't sing, you're just you're, you're wasting the gifts God has given you Longing for something you don't. How does God want you to use the way he gifted you? Celebrate that so-and-so can sing. And celebrate how God put you together. When we celebrate others' giftedness, I think we stop comparing and God can work in amazing ways. Okay, second thing we need to do if you're taking notes, um, besides killing comparisons, we need to cultivate gratitude. Because envy really is ignoring your giftedness and longing for the giftedness of someone else. It boils down to being ingrateful. Proverbs 15, 15 is huge. It says, all the days of the oppressed are wretched, but the cheerful heart has a continual feast. Notice something with me. This again is a heart issue. It's a perspective issue. 
Those who feel oppressed are absolutely wretched. They are miserable. You know people like that. Uh, all they do is whine and complain. And you're like, can I get you some crackers with that wine? Because like, they, I tell some, when my kids are complaining, I, I tell them to go change their pants. Because they op- obviously put their whiny pants on, and they need to go put their happy pants on. Because like, we need to stop that. Um, but those who have a cheerful heart... It doesn't mean that their situation is any different. It just means they have a cheerful heart and attitude. And they are in a different place. And they have this continual feast in the same situation. Instead of being miserable, they have this continual feast. They're just happy, happy, happy. Some people, I think, are just wired to be Eeyore. You know, woe is me. Change the heart. Look, celebrate. Be grati- gracious in your attitude. The truth is like Jesus said it in Matthew 7, 7 and 8. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. If you seek God and look for him, you are going to find him. If you look for the bad in every situation, well, you're going to find that too. Seek God's blessing. Look for his graciousness. And the happy heart will have a continual feast. Look on the Jesus side of things. That, that'll preach there. Uh, look on the Jesus side. What, what's God's perspective on your situation? What's the big picture of what he's up to? I know Right now, it might be terrible, but what's the big picture? You will have a continual feast. Enjoy how God has blessed you. You might have to force it at first, but it'll come because the blessings of God are real. The next time you are tempted to whine about X, Y, or Z, how about giving God some praise? The next time you wish you had a new, be grateful. You have a house car, a kitchen with everything you need. It might not be stainless, but it's everything you need. Maybe we need to praise God for the significant life we can have in Christ. Let's pray.